The rapid development of software for legal services could reduce legal costs and promote better access to justice. However, it could also worsen the digital divide and solidify existing biases in the legal system, according to Dr. Roman Kennedy. Hello and welcome to Unlock Your Potential, micro-credentials at the University of Galway. My name is Janice Mulvaney Glennon and I am the lead for micro-credentials here in Galway. And over the next few weeks and months, I will be taking you on a journey of discovery in this podcast through the micro-credentials on offer in Galway. Hello and welcome to our podcast on Law, Technology and AI micro-credentials at University of Galway. I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Abigail Rikas, who has joined us today. Hello, Abigail. Hi. So, Abigail, you're here to talk to us today about three micro-credentials that we're offering at University of Galway. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Dr. Abigail Rikas. I'm an American attorney. Clearly, the accent is significant. My particular area of interest is copyright law and technology, and recently this means that all I think about is artificial intelligence. I'm also interested in access to justice and technology, which, once again, all I think about recently is artificial intelligence. But my area of research also brings into focus changes to the legal profession and thoughts about how we teach law and how we practice law, and how the rest of the world interacts with the legal industry. Uh, Lastly, I'm also interested in video game law, particularly the preservation and archiving of video games. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that part. That's fantastic and very topical at the moment. It is my pet project. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we can look at a micro-credential about that at some point. I would not be opposed. So, um, Abigail, you're going to talk to us about three micro-credentials today. So, um, which one would you like to start with? So, I'm going to start with lawyering technology and innovation. Just to be clear, two of these are micro-credentials that I teach. One of them is taught by my colleague, Dr. Renan Kennedy, who was referenced in the introduction to this podcast. So, Just to sort of put this in context, lawyers are by nature or by nurture or some combination of both sort of risk adverse people. And we have been slow adopters of the tools that technological advancements have provided to us. However, COVID-19 brought technological engagement to the forefront of legal practice as much of the day-to-day of legal practice moved online. So, While lawyers over the years have adopted some legal tech tools, like, you know, word processing and the like, but also legal research tools that are online, Westlaw, LexisNexis, etc., there is more that could be adopted, more that is going to be adopted. There are great opportunities for entrepreneurship in the legal industry. So we were hoping with these courses to push lawyers towards being more proactive and creative in considering their overall practice, the day-to-day functioning of their offices, but also with an eye to the long-term goals of their practice and where they would like to position themselves in the market. 
We want them to consider how technology could be used to improve work product, to make processes more efficient, to decrease mistakes, and to provide better services to their clients, as well as considering carefully the risks that come along with these technological advancements. So this area has been growing and profitably. So I'm not sure why these statistics were listed in US dollars as opposed to euros, but I looked up the most recent data on legal tech and I found some pretty big numbers. In 2021, the legal tech market in Europe generated revenues of 6.97 billion with a B wow. US dollars with this projected to be growing by about 10.9% for the period from 2021 to 2027. And so we are looking at a total global legal market of 29.8 billion, growing to 69.7. So this is a field that is growing. This is an opportunity for people to be placing themselves in positions to be on the cutting edge. So lawyering technology and innovation is one of the micro-credentials that I teach, and it involves a sort of practical engagement with technological tools. Um, we start by introducing design thinking, which is a human-centered approach to innovation. So design thinking asks you to look at the person behind the problem, the person behind the solution. It requires asking questions like, who will be using this product? Where do they find frustration? Where is the pain point? How will my solution address that pain point? And is it better than what they already have? So students in this course will be using design thinking to address a legal issue. And the legal issue for our first cohort is one that is significant and timely, we're going to be looking at housing. And right. this issue is going to be introduced by Professor Port Kenna, who's the director of the Housing Law Rights and Policy Center here at the University of Galway. He's going to be giving an orientation on some of the problems and some of the solutions, or, well, processes that are meant to lead to solutions. Um, over the course of this module, students will build a profile of who the person is who is impacted by the problem that they've identified. They're going to be thinking about where that persona's pain point is, that is where they want to be able to effectuate a change. So building this profile of this person who experiences challenges relating to housing, having thought through the person the process that they are being forced to use and the problem itself, they're going to build an intervention using a low-code app building interface. Wow, sounds really interesting. Yeah, and it's actually not as intimidating as it sounds. It's <laughs> quite a use. This is why I say low-code. It's very user-friendly. It's designed to be used by people who are not coders. Although it does involve learning to think like an engineer, learning to think like a software developer. So we're going to be introducing the concept of decision tables and trees to basically guide the user through a series of choices 
to get to a solution. So over the course of the semester, students will be introduced to experts from outside the discipline of law because we need people to explain how to use the low-code interface. We need people to explain how to build a decision tree. So it's not just me. It's also experts in the field. And at the end of this micro-credential, students should know about design thinking and how it could be applied in legal practice. They should also have a basic understanding of app development for law, and they will have actually conducted some critical reflection on the future of legal work, all while actually doing this job, this development job. And it sounds like fun as well as everything else. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and it's a real step outside what lawyers normally do. Yeah. Um, and I, I myself have found it to be a real eye-opener in how I approach legal problems. Um, the design thinking process is mm. really one that takes you outside of... Lawyers like to go right for the problem. We race for the problem and sometimes we forget the people. The process as well, yeah. yeah. And what I love about this micro-credential is it's interdisciplinary uh, aspects where you're bringing in other uh, experts to join with the learning experience, which I think will be really valuable for learners. So just in relation to that micro-credential, um, who do you think might be interested in doing this course, do you think? Honestly, um, I think anyone who is interested in working in the future of law Mm-hmm. Um, there's this emerging field of legal technologist. Um, and there are these places where technology and law have intersected. And I know for a fact that any number of large companies are recruiting people into these jobs. Mm-hmm. So I think of this micro-credential as a way to begin to future-proof your career, mm-hmm. to enter an emerging field. And also, it's, as you said, fun. So, you know, it is something that is outside the norm of doctrinal law. You're going to be exposed to different ways of thinking. So basically, anyone could do this course, and I think they would get something good out of it, but particularly people who want to work in the future of the legal industry. Great. And I know, uh, Abigail, that you have um, made some inquiries about using these modules as uh, CPD as well with the Law Society, which is wonderful uh, news to hear that we can actually use them for that purpose. Yes. Yeah. That's really good. I've thought about this in terms of, you know, how can we get practitioners to engage with learning these skills? And CPD seemed the most reasonable way to do that. For sure. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the law and analytics one, perhaps? Absolutely. So data analytics sounds very scary. It certainly was very scary to me until I realized that it isn't actually. (laughs) Data analytics involves looking at large data sets that can be generated from just about anything, really. Lawyers and technologists use software tools as a means of analyzing legal information. So Mm -hmm. you can look at how courts have decided on any number of issues, like, for instance, housing law, you know, Mm -hmm. or planning permission. And you can sort of make predictions about what 
the outcomes might be. So we can use these large data sets to look at case law, legislation, practice data, and they can be a useful tool. So the module uh, explores the use of analytics by lawyers, essentially, or for lawyers. We incorporate insights from the use of analytics in other fields, and we bring in people who are better at the math, statistics, analytic side to explain those with greater clarity than my lawyer brain <laughs> is able to do. So we bring in someone from BIS to explain exactly how we are going to use this data um, and implement this analysis because in this module, students will learn the basics of programming in Python. Excellent. And they will learn how to interact with Panda's data analysis library in order to actually manipulate this data to come to some conclusions mm -hmm. and then to create data visualizations so they can illustrate the conclusions that they've come to to people who don't want to do all the data analytics themselves. <laughs> this learning how to do it mm -hmm. gives people critical perspective on when it's useful yeah, and when it's not. And also a pretty clear idea about how easy it is to do data scraping, which mm -hmm. is sort of taking data from non-obvious data sources, yeah. you know, it, looking outside, okay, I've got a list of numbers in a spreadsheet, I need to do some data analysis, to I've got a thousand court judgments and I'm looking for a specific question Somewhere. or a piece of this and pulling that into a large data set, yeah. um, which can be challenging. Sure. For sure. Um, and, you know, I think that one of the great things that this course does is develop a little empathy mm -hmm. for the data scientists with whom <laughs> we interact, yeah. um, because we really do get a clear idea of what this looks like yeah, and, and how involved. to do it yeah. and what's involved. Mm. So that's essentially law and analytics is you can learn about when analytics can be useful to your practice, mm -hmm. the likelihood of being able to get good data, the difficulties involved in cleaning that data to make it clear mm -hmm. to use. And so this is another hands-on practical kind of micro-credential mm -hmm. that is going to give you some concrete skills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, gathering and um Bringing together all your data is a great way of telling a story too, using the visualizations and presenting your data in ways that other people can understand. So it's really useful skill to have. So thanks for that. So Abigail, could you tell us about the uh, micro-credential ethics and the law for AI? So ethics and law for AI is not my course. However, it is one that is closely related to what I teach. It's taught by my colleague and good friend, Dr. Ronan Kennedy. And it may be interesting for those who are excited or made nervous by the rise of so-called artificial intelligence. Now, I'm not going to get into the debate over whether artificial intelligence really is intelligent, Though I have some very definite opinions, and anyone who wants to talk to me about them, please reach out. I have lots to say on that front. But the development of AI 
particularly um, LLM, large language models, and generative AI as people are interacting with the various options out there, BARD and ChatGPT and stable diffusion for art generation. The development of AI and its application in business contexts raises any number of ethical and legal questions that do require reflection. They require serious consideration. So this micro-credential provides discussion of the legal and ethical challenges of this new technology. It starts with a discussion of how AI implicates privacy and data protection. Students engage with the challenges of AI bias and how AI can sort of build discrimination into what seems to be neutral processes, as well as sort of other issues of human engagement with this software. Intellectual property is a key element in the legal debate over AI, but issues of tort and contract are also considered in this micro-credential. There are also wider implications, wider ethical concerns that come into play regarding justice, fairness, and inclusion in the development and implementation of AI. And also there are hidden costs, Mm -hmm. both to human dignity and to the environment when we think about how AI models are trained and rolled out. Lastly, students in this micro-credential will consider what constitutes a trustworthy use of AI Mm. and how AI systems may breach ethical rules, whether deliberately or not. The law has to respond to these issues. And so how the law can or should respond looking at practical case studies of how AI systems may breach competition law by colluding with other AIs to fix prices or aspects of market offerings. These are sort of examples of what might be considered in this course. There's so much to cover, isn't there, really, around this whole ethical debate? Because AI has been in the news so much, uh, and really it's so topical. And we have a number of micro-credentials covering AI in different aspects, but I think this one is a really important one. I absolutely agree. Um, You know, I mentioned the hidden costs Mm. of AI, and this is one that is always very striking to me is how much water. Mm. Every 30 queries on ChatGPT consumes about 500 milliliters of water. Wow. So when we're thinking about using this in a world where Mm. clean water is becoming a scarce resource, this is something that should be carefully considered. And the heat generated by the servers. And I mean, there are so many sort of things outside just the fun of interacting with a machine that talks back to you and seems real. Yeah. And seems like it has personality. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I've caught myself saying thank you to it. (laughs) As if it's going to, you know, respond appropriately. And then I remind myself, nope, computer program. They've become so real, like it's, it's, uh, yeah, a difficult one. So thanks very much for that. What kind of learner do you think might want to take this module? I think that this one particularly is geared towards people who are in business, people Mm -hmm. who are going to have to make some decisions about whether they want to integrate AI into their business model. Some people who may have clients who are interacting with this um, AI. I mean, really, it's it's targeted towards professionals, people who are working and interacting on a regular basis with um, AI and 
other technological tools that may use AI, because mm. this is the other thing where we find AI being built into. Mm. So for instance, Photoshop has just rolled out AI yes. tools within Photoshop. So even the tools that you may be using that don't on their face look like they contain AI may actually, and that may have ethical and legal considerations that have to be considered. Yeah, that's a very important consideration. And I think this micro-credential will uh, be useful to a broad range of people, as you say, most professionals, people running businesses. So it has a much broader reach. I think this one, ethics needs to be considered by everyone, really. Absolutely. And um, just for these micro-credentials, Abigail, what are the entry requirements or are there any specific entry requirements that you might need to take one of these besides being over 21? So for lawyering technology and innovation and law and analytics, all you need is a degree in Mm -hmm. something. It doesn't require any specific discipline. You don't need a background in computers. You don't even really need a background in law. Mm -hmm. You just have to have a degree in any discipline. For ethics and law for artificial intelligence, you need a strong level eight undergraduate degree. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be in computer science. It just needs to be a strong level eight. And for ethics and law for AI, applications that um, involve a recognition of prior learning are also considered for that one. Yeah, that's great. Uh, For quite a few of our micro-credentials, actually, we have uh, recognition of prior learning. So that means that if people have worked in a field over a long period of time, that there may be recognition for that in terms of gaining entry. I think that that's fabulous because it brings a more diverse cohort to the classroom. Mm -hmm. And I think that enriches every learning experience. Abigail, we are so delighted to have had you here today and no better person for delivering these micro-credentials. So we're hoping that some learners out there will take up uh, these micro-credentials and meet you in person at some point in the future. Um, So thank you very much. Uh, That's the end of our podcast for today. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And if you would like to find out more information, please go to our Centre for Adult Learning and Professional Development website and look up microcreds for more details on how to apply. Thanks to our team, David Stafford, Lonneth McSherry and Gráinne McGrath for their expertise on producing this podcast. Join us next time for another micro-credential. Microcredential.